0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision Podcast, the ultimate sports history pod brought to you by Sideline Sports. I'm your host, Colette Abdallah. And with me again today is my co host uh, and member of Fantasy Pros, Solman Huck. What's up, man? How you doing?
1: What's going on, man?
0: Not much, not much. So today we are doing a redraft of the 1998 NBA Draft Lottery. Uh, so we've done a few of these now, but Basically, what we'll do is we will go through the top 14 picks, a.k.a. the lottery of the 1998 NBA draft, talk about who was drafted and perhaps who we would have taken instead. Um, So we're going to, you know, of course, both share our picks. uh, So, you know, there won't be any snake draft or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, so we will go ahead and get started with the first pick in the draft. So the first overall pick, went to the Los Angeles Clippers who selected center Michael Olowo Candy out of the University of the Pacific. I know you probably don't know where that is, but <laughs> so so man, who did you have the Clippers taking first overall?
1: Yeah, I went actually the best player overall here Dirk Nowitzki, you know, Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famer, played 21 years in the NBA, you know, Finals MVP, reg- regular season MVP, so easily, hands down, the best player in this draft. Um, and, you know, he's he's won the ring. He did it without a big three, really. So, you know, he did it against that LeBron team. He's a nine-time All-Star. So he has, you know, he has so many accolades. He's, he's, he's easily the top scorer in this draft, things like that. He's just the guy that comes in and really changes things up for the Clippers who, you know, took a little candy and were in, you know, didn't make the playoffs until 2006 or something like that. So... That's that's my pick. It's it's pretty, I think, hands down, Dirk's the best player in this draft.
0: Yeah, uh, not just the best player in this draft, one of the best players in the history of the NBA. You listed a couple of his accolades, but, you know, 14 time all star, 12 time all NBA, including four time first team uh, finals MVP in 2011, obviously wins that ring uh, league MVP in 2007, uh, sixth all time in points in NBA history. Um, And, you know, in an era that had Chris Webber, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, uh, Marcus Aldridge, a few other guys, he was perhaps, he was definitely the best offensive big man out of those guys. And the fact that, you know, he goes down in history as perhaps the best European player of all time to play in the NBA. And just, again, one of the best players, period, uh, in NBA history. So the question I had, I mean, I I know this is kind of a no-brainer pick, but does his career get ruined if he goes to the Clippers? I it's, mean,
1: it's a possibility. It is a possibility because Clippers were very poor in player development. And, you know, it's it's possible. Maybe they do mess up Dirk Nowitzki, but it just seems like Dirk would have figured it out regardless. Like he would have been that, you know, been the same guy. He would have been one of the best shooters and scorers in NBA history. And maybe he even carries the Clippers to a championship. I don't know about that last part, but maybe I said, maybe I said, maybe, <laughs> I, I think what, 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 does probably happen
0: is he's plays there for a few years, gets sick of it, just like everybody else and goes somewhere else and then becomes the Dirk that, that we know and love. I think that's the main difference is the, like you said, the Clippers don't do player development. They don't really pay guys. Uh, Donald Sterling was one of the worst people to ever own an NBA franchise or sports franchise period. So I don't think they ruined him, but I think they set him back a few years for sure. For sure. So with the second overall pick, the then Vancouver Grizzlies selected point guard, Mike Bibby out of Arizona. So uh, I had the Grizzlies taking Paul Pierce. So uh, Vancouver, you know, expansion franchise, um, not one with a lengthy history. And I think they take a guy who is pretty clearly the second best player in this draft. I know he's become a bit of a punchline at this point because of the the silly things he said on ESPN, getting fired from ESPN for smoking weed on IG Live with strippers, just a weird guy in general. And he's become kind of a cornball, but he was really good. He was really good when he played. Uh, he's 16th all time in points. Uh, I believe he's three or four time all NBA, never been first team, but you can't really blame him. Uh, Cause that, you know, he's a front court player in again, an era with Dirk and Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, just one of the all time Celtics players. Uh, I wouldn't put him like all time, you know, NBA, player. I think he's top seven easy. He, was he on that top 75?
1: Yeah. List? He's in that top 75 list.
0: Yeah. So there you go. Easy, easy pick. Um, He jumps up from 10th overall to second overall. And I think he transforms this uh, Vancouver franchise.
1: That was also my pick as well. Paul Pearson, you listed all his accolades, uh, yeah, he was kind of weird, man. Before KG and those guys showed up, do you, you remember he got like stabbed outside some All Star game, like after some All Star game stabbed in Vegas? In a club I'm in really Vegas, in... right? Was it an All Star game? I can't remember. He was I stabbed think it was outside in Boston, of a... man. By, was it in Boston? Uh... I think it was in Vegas. I thought he was stabbed in after the All Star game in Vegas, something like that. Something weird,
0: but but it was by you know? uh, Benzino. In his crew. (laughs) That's that's a flashback name for you right there. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, but as you said, he became one of the all-time Celtics and, you know, one of the top 75 players, you know, in the NBA. So, there you go. So, the the
0: resume is unimpeachable, even if maybe his personality is is not. Uh, Okay. So, with the third overall pick, the Denver Nuggets select center forward Rafe LaFrance out of Kansas Uh, so just side note on him I always thought he was a foreign player growing up (laughs) just because of his name Uh, but who did you have the uh, Nuggets picking here
1: yeah I, I thought the same about him I was like oh he's actually not he grew up he went to Kansas so I went Vince Carter here clearly the third best player here He's, I, I'm going to say he's a Hall of Famer. Maybe you disagree with that, but I think he is a Hall of Famer. He's an eight-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA. And, you know, the, the Nuggets, they needed any kind of wing depth that they could get at this time. They were a pretty terrible team. If you look at their roster, most people would not recognize half those names on that roster. So, you know, I think Carter would have done the same thing that he did for Toronto. He would have put the Nuggets on the map. And, you know, he would have been one of, again, usually one of the most exciting players to watch in those 2000s. And really would have just made the Nuggets a household name. Another no-brainer
0: pick. Uh, We're three for three here. What is really interesting about Vince Carter is that I think he's just as talented as some of the best players of all time. You know, I think he he matches up talent-wise again with Kobe uh, and other you know two guards and small forwards that were incredible. Uh, He just never really had the mentality or the killer instinct to be an all-time great. Uh, But despite all that, I mean, his talent and stuff, that carried him pretty far. I think he made a couple finals trips with the Nets. Uh, He's 19th all-time in points scored in NBA history. That's nothing to sneeze at. Um, Incredible pop culture guy, you know, with the dunks, dunking over Frederick Weiss and winning all those uh, dunk contests. So like you said, he would have put the Nuggets on the map. He would have put any franchise on the map. He would have made it cool to be a Nuggets fan. I mean, he is the reason I think that the Raptors are still in Toronto because he put them on the map. I mean, you know, he made them relevant in, in a major way. And I think that's hard to quantify in terms of statistics and stuff like that. Um, uh, But I mean, you can quantify it in terms of the bank account in terms of the, of ticket sales and Jersey sales and things like that. So yeah, a, a clear, you know, a guy who may have not fulfilled his total potential, but I think he still played in the NBA for 20 years. And he had that like late era, uh, you know, kind of Udonis Haslam type career at the end where he was like that old man, the old veteran. I think he played for Sacramento, Atlanta, He was just like that mentor, that leadership guy. And I never would have thought that that would have been the way that that he ended his career.
1: I really was hoping he would join the Warriors there for, uh, and, you know, get a ring. And then we would be like, all right, Vince Carter has a ring. And he's retired a warrior and all that good stuff. But I think there you know, was some good. buzz about there him. There was being, buzz. There was like buzz, a buyout
0: but... candidate or something yeah. for his last, for his last, yeah. uh, last year. And he was, you know, I think he would have still been a contributor. At that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, with the fourth overall pick, so this is where things get a little complicated. Um, So I should have said this probably before the podcast, but what we do here is, you know, with the NBA, they do not let you trade picks straight up. So you have to make the pick and then trade the player in exchange for another player that a team agrees to draft for you. Uh, Hopefully you should know that. Um, But just for the sake of simplicity, we are going to be redrafting with the team that made the trade. So, for example, you know, the fourth overall pick was officially uh, done by the Toronto Raptors. But they traded it to the Golden State Warriors. So, for us, we are going to go with again the traded the the after the trade. So we'll pretend that the trade still happened. So with the fourth overall pick, the Golden State Warriors and not the Toronto Raptors uh, selected forward Antoine Jameson out of North Carolina. So uh, I had them actually sticking with this pick. Um, he was an interesting player. We talked about this in our. Uh, Warriors, what ifs, where we wish that they took Vince Carter <laughs> instead of uh, Antoine Jameson. But in this world, Vince Carter is off the board. And Jameson was an interesting guy. I mean, he, he I think he just deserved better from the Warriors. They were just not a very good franchise at this time. He didn't do much there. He put a lot, put up a lot of points, but he had a better second half of his career uh, with Washington and Dallas. And uh, I think he played for the Lakers and the Cavs. He was a two time all star. Uh, and basically, for almost 10 years, he was a 20 points per game scorer almost. Uh, career averages 18, 7, and 2. So, again, nothing to sneeze at uh, with a couple years at the end where he didn't do much at all, just as a, as a veteran guy. Um, and he is 49th all time in NBA history, he has 20,000 points scored in his career. So, uh, yeah, who did you have the Warriors taking fourth?
1: We are four for four here. I also kept had him. Them- keeping Antoine Jameson with Vince Carter off the board. Obviously they made this trade. They 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 had taken with Vince Carter and then traded for Jameson. But he was definitely one of my favorite Warriors uh, growing up. So I, I always liked him he was a scorer. He just he was just the only guy on the team at those times that, you know, later on you got Gilbert and these guys coming, but Jameson was just tolling in Warriors Hell for by himself for a while. But obviously he was a he, he was the fourth best player in this draft to me.
0: People thought he was like a good stats bad team guy, but the team was just so awful. He it was awful. You know? I mean, he,
1: I mean, he put up numbers when he went to the w- Wizards as well, and they weren't a bad team. So,
0: yeah, exactly. He kind amazing. of disproved that the, exactly. that notion. Um, and I have his jersey hanging in my closet. I was a big fan as well. <laughs> yeah. Again, there wasn't much to root for. In yeah, the it was early, like, like
1: Andrew and I don't know, I, like John Starks, like or an old ass John Starks. Like that was it. Like who else can you root for?
0: Nobody. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, with the uh, fifth overall pick, uh, the Toronto Raptors drafted a small forward slash shooting guard, Vince Carter, also out of North Carolina. So, who did you have the Raptors picking here since he's, of course, off the board?
1: With Carter off the board, I had him going, Richard Lewis, who was taken in the second round of this draft, uh, pick 32. I think. I, re- I remember reading a story about this that Richard Lewis was like promised by like some team that they were going to take him in the lottery or in, in the first round and it never happened. And like Richard Lewis was bawling his eyes out because he came straight out of high school. But R- Lewis was a good player, man. He, he's a two time All Star, one time NBA champion, though he rolled the bronze coattails for that one, but he got it. Uh, you know, he played 16 years in the league, averaged about 14 and a half per game. And, you know, there were five years or more where he was putting up about 18 and, you know, a couple of years where he put more than 20 points per game. So he could score and he's a nice young guy. He could have paired him with T Mac there in Toronto and they might have had a really nice score there.
0: So I went in a slightly different direction, but uh, spoiler alert, Richard Lewis comes off the board very soon for me. Um, I went with Mike Bibby, who, you know, despite not going to Vancouver, he still ends up in Canada with the Raptors. He's a guy that was good for a long time, but I wouldn't necessarily say he was ever great, maybe a couple seasons. Uh, But he was the leader of some of those really good Sacramento teams that may have won a ring if it wasn't for Tim Donaghy. Uh, So if you remember that era with Chris Webber, Pages, Sojakovic, Vlade Divac. So he was on some really good teams, and he was one of the best players on those really good teams. So uh, he ends up on the Raptors here. Yeah, as you mentioned, they already had Tracy McGrady could have had some nice, you know, nice two-man game with him and T-Mac. Maybe they don't trade T-Mac because, you know, they have a good pairing. And, of course, they don't get Vince Carter in this universe. So there's no sort of positional redundancy. Um, he was just – he's one of the best college players of all time. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily say his career was a disappointment, but, you know, maybe he, he fell a little bit short of the expectations, of course, of being a second overall pick. But he still played for a long time. Um and that's, you know, a lot. That's, you can't ask for two for much more than that. Um, you know, from a guy like that. So, yeah.
1: I'm not mad at that pick. I, I, Mike Bibby, yeah, like he wasn't probably shouldn't have been the number two guy in this draft, but you know, somewhere in the top 10, definitely, uh, maybe top five. So, and I can, I can see their logic behind taking Bibby there.
0: Yep. So he's top five for me.
1: So, uh, with
0: the sixth overall pick, the, Dallas Mavericks, who traded this pick to the Milwaukee Bucks. So the Milwaukee Bucks selected forward center Robert Tractor-Trailer out of Michigan. So this was a tough pick, man. I mean, they obviously traded this uh, pick to the... the. Uh, they're, sorry, they swapped this pick essentially with Dallas uh, for Dirk Nowitzki. So they get uh, Robert Trailer instead of one of the greatest players of all time. Um, so I had them making up for it a little bit by picking Richard Lewis. Um, so everything he said, he was, you know, a, a really good scorer. He was, you know, easily a 20 points per game guy for a long time in his career, about 10 years almost because he was straight out of high school. It did take him a little bit of time to get started. This was still, I wouldn't say it was new to the NBA, but it wasn't that full on, you know, straight out of high school type era. Um, he was a vital piece to that Magic team that made the finals in 2009, I believe. And you did mention that he rode uh, LeBron's coattails to that championship. He played primarily power forward with the Magic after playing uh, small forward with with Seattle. So he could do a little bit of the same. And he probably would have played power forward because they had Ray Allen at the two guard and Glenn Robinson at the three. And I think he would have been a good addition, a really good addition uh, because of his size, his versatility, to an already good uh, Milwaukee team.
1: Yeah, I like that pick. I like that pick. If Rashard Lewis was on my board, he definitely would have been the pick here. Would have made a nice pairing with Ray Allen and Glenn Robinson there at that time. So, But for me, he's off the board. I actually went, I don't know if you're going to like this, I went Brad Miller. So... But the Bucks really needed a center. I, I know Mike Bibby was here on the board, but I think the Bucks had like Sam Cassell or, and they, they had some point guards on the roster. So like Terrell Brendan, those type of guys I think were already there. So I didn't give him Mike Bibby because I was like, oh, they're a little deep there. But man, their centers were horrendous, horrendous. So Brad Miller was undrafted. He's a two-time All-Star, played 14 years in the league was a decent offensive player, decent rebounder. He, you know, finished with career averages of 11 and seven rebounds per game. So he would have been a decent player for the Bucks, giving him an offensive guy to kind of work out of the post. And, you know, he, he actually really flourished when he was on the Kings and the Bulls. So he, he was a pretty solid player. Not great, but solid. So that's what I had in Milwaukee going here. I
0: have him on my top 10 as well. But <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, so
0: pick makes sense instead of uh, you know tractor trailer who had some weight issues and other stuff like that they get a very productive player in Brad Miller who as as you said went went undrafted so nice uh nice jump for him for sure okay so with the 7th overall pick the Sacramento Kings selected point guard Jason Williams adjacent uh, Jason White Chocolate Williams um out of Florida so who did you have the kings picking here
1: I went Mike Bibby here. So obviously Kings needed a point guard. And, you know, eventually they did end up trading for Mike Bibby. So why not just take him in this draft, right? And Bibby was a great, solid offensive player for them. Uh, he was a uh, king for about seven years. And I think he averaged uh, close to about seven. He averaged 17.6 points per game for the Kings during his tenure there. And, you know, he you could have even made a case that maybe at some point he should have been at least a one-time or two-time all-star there when he was playing with the Kings. But it never happened for him because... Point guard was super deep in the West. But yeah, I would like everything you said about him, really solid player, key contributor to that team. And make it just makes a lot of sense with the Kings needing a point guard.
0: So I'll continue with the theme of future Kings ending up on this team a little bit early. Uh, but it, they actually, they traded uh, Jason Williams for Mike Bibby. So that's yes, yes to know. Yes, they did. So, they did. <laughs> uh, funny little uh, coincidence there. Uh, but yeah, Brad Miller is my pick. A solid guy. They had a really good team at this point, or they were building a really good team at this point uh, with Chris Webber, Vlade Divac, eventually with, with Mike Bibby. Um, and I think he would have been a great third big on this team for everything that you talked about. I mean, he uh, was not very flashy, but he was a good passer out of the post, very similar to, to Vlade. He was a solid uh, scorer at times. Uh, he's a very efficient player. And I think he just fits the mold as a player that can do whatever you want him to do um, as a big man. So again, a big jump for him to go from undrafted to uh, at least in, in my draft, um, you know, seventh overall and sixth overall for you. So great pick. I, I considered a few other guys here just because I thought it might be a little bit redundant with Weber and Devock. but I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be my only thing, Brad, I yeah. may not have taken Brad Miller because Claudia Devock's there. Chris Weber's there, but you know, you can't pass up talent if he's you know the best talented player on your board. You might as well take him. Yeah, and you still needed size in this area. Yeah, absolutely, you. absolutely but you did.
0: Considered a couple other guys. All right. Um, so with the eighth overall pick, the Philadelphia 76ers selected shooting guard Larry Hughes out of St. Louis. So I had them going in a little bit of a different direction. I Thought about keeping Larry Hughes here, but he hated it in Philly. I think he demanded a trade after a year. So uh, I didn't want to have to go through that again. So I had them picking um, Al Harrington instead. So Al Harrington originally went uh, 25th overall, but I always liked him. Um, he was a really good scorer and he was these kind of the the prototypical stretch four before that really became a thing. I don't think, you know, they were talking about stretch fours in 1999, Uh, but he could always score. He's a career 35% shooter from three, but I think he has three or four seasons in the middle of his career where he shot 40% or better. So he could obviously stretch the floor and he would have provided this team that struggled offensively. They were a great defensive team, but they struggled offensively. This was the AI team. Um, So you could see why they may have struggled offensively because he was the focal point of that offense, but um, yeah, he's another straight out of high school guy, and I think he would have been a great offensive addition to uh, to this team. So, who did you have the Sixers taking here?
1: I like the Al Harrington pick. Uh, I did not have him going Al Harrington though. I I thought about it. I thought about it. I went in another direction. I did have him going shooting guard. I went Katina Mobley. Mobley was a good good shooter and scorer during his peak years. I think he even averaged uh, like I think two or three years where he averaged twenty points per game. Obviously he's a little bit one dimensional, but the Sixers team really needed scoring. And Mobley was that guy, right? He could be that guy that just played off AI and could score and shoot and like he just loved to spot up and shoot. And he was really he was basically a one-dimensional player, but you know, it would work well next to Iverson. The other guy I thought about taking here was Jason Williams, but they already had Eric Snow and but he, I think he would have also been like a nice fit next to Iverson where he could, you know, he's not looking to, he's not a score first guy. He's looking to pass. He's looking to do all that stuff. And that might've fitted well with Iverson, but yeah, oh, man. Mobley, and Mobley played 11 years in the league. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, I have him
0: going, uh, in my draft as well. If he if they did draft Jason Williams, uh, Larry brand, Larry Brown would have had a heart attack. Man. I <laughs> he, can't probably imagine. he probably would have He, he would've probably quit on the spot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a, that's some big personalities in your backcourt. That's for sure. Uh, But yeah, I like Mobley as a pick. I think this is a little bit of a a, a overdraft for him. Um, I, and I preferred Harrington mostly because of the size and of course the, the shooting and spacing that he could have provided.
1: Yeah. And I, I feel like maybe you and me value Al Harrington a little more because I was looking at his like, Career and I was like, dang, he was like crap on the Pacers, but we we remember him being really good on the We Believe team. So, and then he had a good career after that too. After he left, so I think it was just his Pacers career got off to a rocky start.
0: Yeah, he's a high straight out of high school guy, but in a, in an era where it wasn't, I mean, it, not that it wasn't normal, but it was still kind of a novelty.
1: Exactly. And,
0: right. You know, a lot of they just maybe teams didn't have the right infrastructure to help these guys really succeed right away. So. But, yeah, we do definitely like him a lot more than other people probably (laughs) because of those teams. So, uh, anyway, with the ninth overall pick, so this is brutal. Um, The Milwaukee Bucks traded this pick to the Dallas Mavericks, and they selected uh, power forward Dirk Nowitzki out of – I'm not even going to try to pronounce that uh, team (laughs) name, but he's from Germany. Um, So, obviously, he is not on the board because he went first overall – in both of our drafts. So who did you have the Mavericks taking instead?
1: This is where I took Al Harrington. So the Mavericks clearly needed a power forward, and that's the reason why they they made, kind of made that trade for Dirk. They wanted a guy who could shoot, stretch the floor a little bit. Al Harrington can do those things, not to the extent that Dirk Nowitzki could, but Al Harrington can do that. And so he gives them a scoring punch, which they clearly didn't have at that time. And, you know, like you said, you know, Harrington, good player, good, you know, three-point shooting percentages. I think he played about 16 years in the league and he averaged about 13 and a half for that in, in the in that career. So and that's with a rocky start in Indiana. So pretty good player. And another guy considered here again was Jason Williams, but Mavericks had Steve Nash on the roster. So they didn't really need have a need for a guy like that. So it made more sense for me to take Al Harrington.
0: I like that pick. I mean power forward for power forward. Uh, a little bit of a drop-off in talent. But
1: yeah, just a little bit.
0: So I talked about potentially taking Larry Hughes with the eighth overall pick, so I'm going to take him with the ninth overall pick instead. Uh, so he was a solid offensive player, but I think his main uh, contrib- contribution to this team would be defensively. Uh, He was first-team all-defense at one point, I think, in 2004, uh, led the league in steals that same year. And I think he would have made a good running mate to Steve Nash, who we know is obviously one of the all-time greats, but was not uh, all that interested in in defense. Um, So I I liked Hughes a lot. He bounced around a lot in the league. He played for, of course, Philly, the the Warriors, Washington, uh, Cleveland. But I think that his defensive tenacity and that aggression that he brought would have been a nice fit on this Mavericks team that had some scoring with, of course, Steve Nash and Michael Finley. So, yeah.
1: I, I forgot how good defensively Larry Hughes was, and maybe that's just me partly remembering him for just being like a guy who would just run the floor for the Warriors and not remembering his defense. But, yeah, he was a pretty good defender, and, and he has some accolades to back that up. So it's a good pick. All right. So with the next pick, the
0: Boston Celtics selected small forward slash shooting guard Paul Pierce out of Kansas. So obviously, Paul Pierce is off the board in both of our drafts. He went second. So I had them going with Jason White Chocolate Williams. So uh the primary reason I made this pick the because the Celtics were, were off, they were bad for a really long time. Uh they missed the playoffs six straight years. And they were actually under 500 for eight straight years. So this pick more than anything is just to make them a more exciting team. Uh, Jason Williams is one of the most fun to watch players uh, in the NBA or was, sorry. Um, And he was, you know, eventually he transformed his career a little bit and was a contributor to that um, 2005 or was it 06 uh, Miami team that won the title. He wasn't like a huge, you know, scorer or whatever on that team, but he he played about, you know, 25 30 minutes a game for a title team and that that has to mean something. Uh, and he's he's a cult figure. Man, I I live in Sacramento, I still see people wearing white chocolate jerseys everywhere even though he only played two or three years there and I think he would have had a similar impact in Boston that we of course know they they love their white players up in Boston. <laughs> so I think he would have fit right in. Uh, Maybe he's a little different to their style. He's a little more flashy compared to, you know, the conservativeness that they're used to. But yeah, I thought he made sense here for a team that needed some excitement.
1: I also took Jason Williams here and agree with everything you said. You know, they were starting guys like Kenny Anderson. It's like, okay, yeah, I must rather have Jason Williams as my point guard. And, you know, he finished with 14.8 points per game and eight assists. So he, clearly he was a guy who would love to pass the rock, but I don't know where he would pass the rock on Boston. So <laughs> maybe maybe that's part of the problem, but I think, yeah, he, you know, they would have loved him in Boston and they would have all been about white chocolate. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. He, he'd still be throwing
0: passes off his elbow yeah. behind his head and all that. Yeah. Stuff, he'd
1: but. probably, pro- he'd probably be passing to himself a lot more.
0: Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right, so with the 11th overall pick, the Detroit Pistons selected guard forward Bonzi Wells out of Ball State. So who did you have the Pistons picking here?
1: I went Larry Hughes here. You know, like everything you said about him, solid defensive player. He, I think he would have been a nice fit here with Jerry Stackhouse and Grant Hill. You know, another a couple of young pieces. He probably even starts for them over Lindsey Hunter. And that's a really solid core there for the— the Pistons, but maybe Larry Hughes doesn't like it because this is the guy who got jealous of AI just hogging the ball all the time and carrying the team on his back. So maybe Larry Hughes doesn't like Grand Hills there and Jerry Stackhouse there ahead of him. But who knows? But yeah, like you said, right, all defensive NBA team and led the league in steals. And, you know, he was, I think in his best season, actually, Larry Hughes, you know, averaged about 22 points per game. So he could, he could score when he wanted to, he could be a scorer as well. Uh, but yeah, so like you said, he I think he finished his career with one and a half steals as his career average. So great defender, and he finished with 14 points per game. And so for all those reasons, Larry Hughes made sense to me on the Pistons.
0: Agreed on all points. Uh, so Larry Hughes is off my board. Um, so I went with, I think you might laugh at this pick, but I went with Ricky Davis. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you did laugh at this pick. So I know he was a knucklehead, uh, his most infamous moment was i think he was a rebound short of a triple double so he shot and missed purposely on his own uh his own rim so i don't you know that's the type of dude that he is uh my reasoning here is that the dude could score flat out he could score he could score in bunches Um, uh, he's a you know he had i think one or two seasons where he averaged over 20 points a game and i think if the main issue was his maturity and uh, professionalism, playing on a team with Grant Hill and a guy like Jerry Stackhouse, who would just beat him up if he uh, <laughs> if he was messing around too much. I think that's why he he fits on a team like this. Uh, yeah, he's just he's he's more of a character than anything, but he was so athletic and he could just score. I know again, he's kind of a punchline and a bit of a joke, but the dude could play.
1: He definitely could. He was he was a talented guy. I just don't think he ever real unlocked his potential. Um but he had yeah I think he had one or two years where he led the Timberwolves in scoring or something. I forget. He, he bounced around quite a bit. He's on the Celtics, Timberwolves a random teams so Clippers, I think it Clippers, was. yeah. So I think he was like you could he was kind of like the J.R. Smith of his era. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah. He was like a <laughs> Jr. Smith of his era. That's what he was. And so I didn't I didn't have him go and here. look at J.R.
0: Smith. He played with LeBron. He got you know, that, that leadership of LeBron and that he rode coach. We well, didn't even ride coattails. He was a big contributor to that 2016 team. And then I think he won the bubble a ring in the bubble too. So that's two time NBA. I mean, team. and
1: any, any pissed off LeBron in the middle too, right? We remember that game against yeah, the Warriors where he didn't even know what <laughs> was left on the scoreboard or the shot clock. And he was just like, Oh shit. What did I do? LeBron's like
0: yelling at him, but it shows you that a guy that's talented and athletic, if he's in the right situation, he can, he can thrive. So. Yep. That's my reason. All right. So with the 12th overall pick, the Orlando magic selected center, Michael Doliak out of Utah. So I had them going in a bit of a different direction here. Um, I think you picked Tatino Mobley eighth. So I'm picking him 12th overall. Um, I think you mentioned that he went uh 41st overall. So this is a big jump for him from you know uh early second round to the lottery. And the dude could he could score, just flat out score. Uh he fits right in next to Penny as a, a potential starter at point guard. I think they were starting Daryl Armstrong at this point. So it would have been a nice little backcourt, uh, or a big backcourt. I think Tina Mobley was six four, six five. So some good size there. uh, he probably would have had a longer career. I think he had a heart condition. So he retired from the NBA after 10 years, but he would have played longer and he's still playing basketball now. I uh, think he's still playing, he's playing in the big three league. So the dude can ball uh, and he can score and he would have been a great fit here, I think.
1: Yeah, I definitely would have taken him if he was on my board, but he was not. I I went with the, another street baller type of dude, Ray for Alston, skip to my loop. He was, uh, a solid guy nothing nothing you know he wasn't like oh like amazing in the NBA but he had a solid career he was a good backup point guard would have been a good backup point guard to Daryl Armstrong who they were starting along with Penny Hardaway and so you know he would have been a nice backup and he could score yeah I think he finishes in his best season he finished like 14.2 points per game so he had some talent there to come off the bench and score but he was known more for street ball antics than he was for his NBA stuff. But I think he also slapped someone one time in the head in the NBA. So that's what I remember him for. But, you know, at this point I was like, uh, I could go Ricky Davis here, but I I chose for a backup point guard and give him some depth.
0: So this is another second round guy that jumps up. Um, so he goes from 39th to uh, 12th for you. So that, that's a big jump. Um, so yeah, he was he's a good player. I think, like you said, he's more known for the uh N1 antics and the street ball and stuff like that. But he was a solid player. And you think he played for quite a while in the NBA, he bounced around, bit of a journeyman. But at this point in the lottery, you're you're basically settling for uh, somebody that can play, you know, 10-15 minutes a game because it, it gets it's slim pickings at this point. Uh, yeah. So with the 13th overall pick, the Orlando Magic again. Um, who got this pick from Washington by the Golden State Warriors? Selected forward center Keon Clark out of uh, UNLV. So, who did you have the Magic taking with their second pick in a row?
1: Yeah, I had them going. Ruben Patterson, aka the self-appointed Kobe stopper. Um, <laughs> they, I think, they just needed some. They just needed a guy you could come in and play some defense. And that's what Patterson was known for. He wasn't really a shooter. He actually was a pretty bad three point shooter. So he wasn't. You couldn't call him a three D guy. But he was a guy. He was he was built like a bull. And that's how he played, man. He 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 was running through people and playing hard nosed defense and doing the dirty work. But I don't I don't think he really was a Kobe stopper. But you know I think he started calling himself that after he held Kobe to like I don't I forget what he did with Kobe in the playoffs. I think he held them to like twenty points. And he's like, "Oh, I stopped Kobe or something ridiculous like that." But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he would have been a nice bench guy for the Magic. There, just came in, played some hard nosed defense, and I'd rather have that than the knuckleheadedness of Ricky Davis. I mean, he was a knucklehead too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Ruben <Roman laughs> Patterson was a knucklehead, but he, he he was just like he was just like this intense defensive player that I'd rather have than I, I don't know. I think
0: Maybe. he got into a fight with teammates. Uh, did he? Okay. I mean, yeah, he's I'm on the jailblazers
1: Blazers that. team. He, he was, was on the Jail Blazers. He was, he was a knucklehead too. But he wasn't one of the Jail. Bla- he wasn't like a guy that got caught for smoking weed and stuff, was he? I think he. I think he got arrested for something. Did else, he? So. Okay. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. All of that I said about Ricky Davis. Never mind. Forget that. But I'd rather just take his defense than the offense. I okay, Magic I got, got you. Plenty I got of you. Offense. That. That's totally
0: fair. Um. So I picked this. Is kind of a boring pick, but I picked a guy that went to the Magic. Uh. Two picks later, so 15th overall. And that's Matt Harpering. Um, he was all rookie first team, and just kind of a solid overall player. He didn't play there for too long. Um, I think he would have had a much better career if it wasn't for injuries. But I think at this point, he would have been a good contributor to them. And obviously, they they liked him because they picked him uh, a few picks later. So,
1: yeah, that's right. a that's a good pick. A good pick. Uh, I think I remember him being a really good fantasy player. So maybe he's a better fantasy player than NBA player. But yeah, he had some solid seasons.
0: Yeah, I think he was pretty good on Utah for a few years yes. a little bit later in his career. Uh, but yeah, career cut short by injury. So uh, with the last pick of the 1998 NBA lottery, the Houston Rockets selected shooting guard Michael Dickerson out of Arizona. So uh, I had them taking Rafer Alston here. Um, so this was the last year of the Hakeem, Scotty Pippen, Charles Barkley teams. Uh, and they tanked pretty quickly after that. They ended up trading for Steve Francis. They made a backcourt with him and Katina Mobley. Uh, but instead of Katina Mobley, basically, I paired up Ray for uh, Alston with Steve Francis. I think that's a bit of a smallish backcourt, but again, we're talking about slim pickings here. So maybe it makes sense. I did consider a couple of the bigs that were left over. Uh, Rafael France and uh, Rasha Estervich, a couple of other guys, but I liked Rafe Alston's upside a little bit more, and that's why he sneaks in here uh, as my last pick. So, who did you have going 14th?
1: I went Rafe LaFrance. So i i can see I can see your argument for Rafe Ralston there. They might they could have used a point guard, but yeah, like they had an aging Hakeem, Charles Barkley, Scottie Pippen. So they, they could have used some infusion in that front court there. And, you know, LaFrance was a decent role player, not worthy of the third overall pick, but he was he was decent. He, he had career averages of 10.1 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, as well as a career 36% three-point shooting. So he could, he could, sh- he could shoot a little bit. He could give you some scoring and give you some rebounding. And that's all you kind of need off the bench there. I did also... Potentially consider Matt Harping here. Just thought LaFrance might have been a little bit better of a fit there with the Rockets. Yeah, I, I considered
0: Bonzi Wells as well. But I think he had some the same issues that Reuben Patterson did on the Joe Blazers team.
1: That I remember. That I remember. <laughs> I remember Bonzi Wells getting like arrested every other year.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I like your pick. It makes sense. Uh, upside guy as well. Maybe he becomes something else when he's, you know, less expectations, which we've seen a few and times mentored,
1: and year. mentored by Hakeem. So maybe, maybe Hakeem gives him some, uh, you know, tips to help his career. Well, there you go. All right. So that's it for the 14 picks of the NBA lottery.
0: Uh, did you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to uh, discuss?
1: Yes. Yes. I had Ricky Davis. Like yeah, you, you had him going in your lottery. He was an honorable mention. He was, he's a pretty talented guy. Uh, Matt Harping was another one. Rasho Nesterovic, he was an uh, interesting big. Uh, he could have potentially made the you know lottery here. Bonzi Wells, Knucklehead, but he had some you know shooting and defense that he could have brought to the table. And then last last guy, uh, who's I think his he he was a pretty solid guy too. But again, injury derailed his career. Nazir Muhammad. I remember him having a few good seasons and so, but obviously I don't think he makes the lottery, but maybe he's still a first round guy. Uh, and he did go in the first round of this draft, but towards the end of it. But yeah, I think he would have been maybe higher here if injuries had not interreled his career. The talent was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a lot
0: of the same guys. Um, I think Nazi Muhammad played like 18 years.
1: Did the, he? Yeah. Did he, man? He, but there was like a stretch where he was just not, he was hurt like all the time. Yeah,
0: yeah, remember, he, right? he was limited, but
1: he ended. He up, was limited, like, like he didn't play a lot of games. But then he, I think, yeah. he had like a revival with the Thunder, right? Is that he
0: played for a ton of teams, the Thunder, yeah. the he, Bulls. I, I remember Spurs. him reviving his
1: career with the Thunder.
0: The yeah, time. later later in his career, but yeah, he
1: played until he was thirty eight. Um,
0: that's
1: so, pretty solid and for the injuries he had. That's pretty solid.
0: Not bad at all. Uh, great name. He's one of like the tough guys of this era. So I always liked him. He was one of I I almost had him going to Houston. Uh, it would have been a nice transition from hakeem to Nazir muhammad yeah there you uh,
1: go and the, the muslim, <laughs> muslim brotherhood you know yeah he exactly. would have given you more knowledge there right the muslim
0: connection but definitely a, a drop off in talent so uh all right that's it for honorable mentions so uh, another segment we do is we go through the uh, guys that did not survive the redraft so uh we will start with the of course the number one pick the candy man uh michael Olu candy who went first overall. Uh, he's a really cool story, man. Uh, and I'm sad that his career didn't work out, but did you know that he never played ball before college? He never, and he basically opened up a book of U.S. colleges, picked, pointed at University of the Pacific and said, you know what? I want to go there. I think he grew <laughs> up in the UK. He was born in Nigeria, but uh, grew up in the UK. And he called the school, and he said, "I want to play for your basketball team." He called the coach, and the coach thought it was a joke. And then I guess they talked about like, "Okay, you know, why do you want to play basketball? How tall are you?" And then when the coach found out that he was seven foot one, he was like, "Okay, yeah, <laughs> come through." Uh, but he wasn't on a scholarship for the first two years. I think he had to pay full tuition, oh, wow. uh, or I think the first year, perhaps. But it's, yeah, he never never played basketball before college.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I knew he never played basketball, but it's interesting that he chose. Of all the schools, the University of the Pacific, but I guess it worked out for him. He, I, I think there was some unrealistic expectations with him. Everyone's like, oh, he's the seven foot one, seven foot two guy, out of you know Nigerian guy. Oh, look, he's Hakeem Olajuwon built, and I think that's what got him the hype there to number one. And people are like, oh, he's gonna be the next Hakim. And you know, unfortunately, when you see a guy built like Hakim, everyone wants to make him the next Hakim. I think the same thing happened to Hashim tabii Few, you, you know multiple years down the road. And so I think that's really what derailed him, right? Living, living up to the hype of the number one and these expectations that he's going to be Hakeem. And I think he, at the end of the day, had a decent career. Uh, but maybe he's like a late first round pick and not, you know, the first pick of this draft.
0: And I think one of the other things that really derailed his career was just the fact that he played for the Clippers.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Clippers, I mean, the Clippers like, oh, let's take this raw guy. Oh, but we don't have any player development, so he's probably just going to stay raw.
0: Exactly. This is an owner, a notoriously cheap owner who probably didn't have any player development staff or anything like that. And they said, let's take the raw prospect. Um, and yeah, I think if he, he played, got picked by another team with your expectations, because he had the physical tools. And like you say, he still ended up having a decent career, but he had a lot of conflicts with ownership, of course, uh, about getting about payment and contracts and all that stuff. So
1: yeah. Uh, I mean his ideal team probably was the Rockets. Learned yeah,
0: under there you go. so Um so then the next guy uh didn't make it to my redraft, uh made it to yours was Ray France. Friends. Basically a decent player, had a solid career, was an honorable mention guy for me, just you know, not worthy of the third overall pick. And the next guy who was not on either of our drafts was uh the sixth overall pick. Again, Robert tractor trailer. Uh good player just i think he battled weight issues and he just wasn't athletic enough to uh to play for a long time i think he only played for six or seven years in the nba
1: yeah and i think he had some sort of heart condition even maybe if i'm remembering it correctly but yeah he just he just was overweight couldn't really play and just didn't fit in the nba like but i thought maybe i'm wrong but i thought he had some heart condition as well after that
0: i don't recall but i do remember he did deal with a lot of weight issues uh Okay. The next guy is uh Michael, Do- I'm sorry, not Michael Doliak, Uh, is uh Bonzi Wells, who went 11th overall. So he wasn't on either of our uh, redrafts. So I think we t- we covered it. Basically, he uh, had some character issues, but he was still like really talented and could have made it into the redraft.
1: Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, he was talented, just, you yeah. know, maybe the biggest knucklehead in this draft. Uh, but, but maybe I guess Ruben Patterson has, his, 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 yeah, there's his,
0: some competition, man. Ricky yeah, Davis, Ruben Patterson. Ricky
1: Davis, Patterson. <laughs> I, I want to say all three of them were teammates at one point somewhere. Maybe I'm gonna have to look this up later, but I think Ooh, so. Two out of three, for Definitely sure. Definitely two one out one. of three, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: so the next guy that didn't make it was Michael Doliak, um, NBA all rookie second team, just wasn't that good, just a career backup, yeah. and that's fine.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, he was. Basically a poor man, Sean Bradley, which it's not saying much given how poor Sean Bradley was.
0: Yeah, he ended up winning a ring in 06 with the Heat as well, again, as a backup, so good for him. Uh, Next guy is Keon Clark from UNLV. Um, Basically, personal problems derailed this guy's career. Um, Eventually came out after the fact, I think he got, got into some legal trouble after his career, and he basically... Admitted that he'd never played a game sober in the NBA, um, yeah, I
1: remember, and
0: was drinking. Yeah. yeah, according to Wikipedia, it was a half a pint of gin daily wow. during his professional wow. career. Wow. So,
1: yeah, I mean, there's apparently there's some guys in the NBA that can play drunk and play well. Some, but Keon Clark was not one of them. But uh, I think Ron
0: Artest uh, used to have a shot of Hennessy. Yeah, playing.
1: I, I, I re- and I remember <laughs> Andre Godala in and his book. Uh, told the story about how some dude came up to him before a game and was like, I'm going to drop 50 on your ass or something like that. And the guy actually did it. And he was like drunk. So.
0: <laughs> hey man, it, it loosens him up. So whatever. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then the last pick of the lottery was uh, Michael Dickerson out of Arizona. Um, he was good. He ended up being traded uh, in that Steve Francis trade. Uh, I think uh, he averaged 18 and 16 points per game when he was on Vancouver, the second and third year. Uh, but injuries just cut his career short. So maybe if he stays healthy, he does survive this redraft.
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember him being a baller, but just not being a baller for too long. So he had, like, I think, yeah, two years or so where he was really good in Vancouver. And, but, I mean, then again, he was the only guy in Vancouver that could score outside of Sharif or he maybe. So there you go. But, yeah, injuries, it happens, right? You'll, you'll see that anywhere. Injuries take extremely talented guys out of the game all
0: the time unfortunately uh this was an interesting draft i mean it's it's not that often that you have you know probably three hall of famers uh in one draft so that's that's notable um of course dirk nowitzki head and shoulders above the rest but paul pierce makes a decent case he's a surefire hall of famer one of the all-time great boston celtics so um, there's some good value and then after that it doesn't it does take a pretty steep drop off but there's a a lot of guys that were really good role players for a long time. Uh, no other superstars. No nothing even close to a star um, after you know Vince Carter and those guys. Uh, I guess Antoine Jameson. Yeah,
1: yeah I would it. say Antoine and Richard Lewis are like the next tier of stars, but not superstars.
0: Yeah, definitely not household names, but guys that you know contributed to good teams. Richard Lewis especially contributed to a Finals team, um, which is that team was incredibly stacked. Uh, but yeah, that is it for the 1998 NBA redraft. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, please make sure to follow, like, and subscribe the 4040 Vision Podcast uh, everywhere on social media. And uh, you can find us on Facebook at the 4040 Vision Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter at 4040 Vision Pod. Uh, and of course, on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Overcast, anywhere you can find podcasts you can find the 4040 Vision Podcast. So thank you, Suman. Appreciate you uh, doing this with me. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. Peace out, y'all.